Bonus Tracks is the official blog of Spotlight On, available at spotlightonpodcast.com slash blog. There you'll find additional artist interviews, music commentary, and more. Have a look. Hello and welcome to Spotlight On, a production of 23 Media Ventures. I'm your host, Lawrence Purrier. Today, the spotlight shines on musician and producer Daniel Ogren. Daniel is one of the artists propelling Sweden's contemporary new music scene. He has an extensive body of work as a solo artist and as a member of Sven Wunder, The Greys, and most notably, Dina Ogan. And he's a producer and musician for other artists. Daniel joined us upon the release of his album, Fast Engine 92, on the Mr. Bongo label. The record, quote, draws from Daniel's love of South American folk music, soul, Nordic folk music, and film soundtracks, resulting in something unique, dreamlike, and transformational, end quote. This is a terrific record, very much worth a listen, as is our talk with Daniel. Enjoy. In getting familiar with you and your music and trying to learn a little bit about your background, I saw you make many references in other conversations to how music's always been part of your life. Mm -hmm. And I was very curious about some of the specifics around that. What does that mean? Were you born into a family of musicians? Was music important in your household? Was this a solo path you were on just because you were curious? Can you talk about your early experiences and introductions to music? Yeah, I think music has always been a big part of my life and my family. But in an ordinary way, I mean, we listen to music, but like many other families listen to music. My mom... She worked as a piano teacher and my father, he played uh, keyboards and uh, he had a bass at home, a fretless bass. Oh, wow. He wanted to sound like Jacob Pastorius. Who wouldn't? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So he, he played that bass and guitars and there was lots of music uh, at home. Until I was five years old, I I was the only child. And I spent a lot of time at home. I didn't go to preschool or kindergarten. So I played piano and I played violin. I held it like a guitar. I listened to music a lot and I played music as well. What was some of the first music you heard other than your parents playing? You know, I mean, what what music came into your home? Rock, pop, jazz? Fusion. American West Coast fusion. Gino Vanelli, Larry Colton, Bill Champlin. Yeah. Robin Ford, Pat Metheny. Yeah. And also pop from the radio. It's interesting to hear you talk about the types of instruments that were around and 
some of that specific music that you were exposed to, it's an interesting entry point into music. And I think foreshadows a lot of the diversity of the sound in the music you make and that you have made. Something else in, in listening to the records that you've put out under your own name and in the various projects you've been associated with, I'm struggling to come up with a way to articulate this, but a sound that is very unique to the time we live in, in that you've had access to musics from various cultures and places that in a previous time may have been harder to access. And I wonder, does that make sense to you? Yeah, it, it, it's so true. I love YouTube. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's fantastic. YouTube and, and all the music platforms that are available. And also, since I grew up listening to lots of different genres, I knew about all kinds of music. But it's very true that because of platforms like YouTube, it's possible to discover lots of different music that you haven't heard before. I really love old music and it's all there. Yeah. Yeah. Kind people all over the world that puts out recordings of small bands and it's fantastic. Over the last several months, I've spoken to a lot of artists, especially in, in Western Europe, who I think there were two things going on. One was the rise in the early mid 2000s of the MP3 blogs and all sort of the crate digging that was going on with people traveling and posting music, essentially sharing this music before it was maybe on streaming services or things of that nature. And then all of the really wonderful work done by reissue labels people like Numero and other other labels that were going out and putting together either deep genre compilations or regional local music scenes and just uncovering all this music that was, you know, kind of lost for a generation or more. Yeah. And yeah. now we have it again. And it's so exciting to see what new artists are doing when they get confronted with those sounds. It's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, really. In regards to your work, 
it seems like rhythm is the is the unifying factor. Is that fair to say? Like in, in all the things you do, that's the thing that I'm drawn to. At least that's what I hear. Mm, that makes me glad. <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> I mean, I think that's the most important for me. That's the most important uh, element of music. I, I mean, for me, that's that is music. What is it about that? I've heard other people talk about the difference between music and sound is time and time expressed as rhythm. Otherwise, if you remove rhythm, you have other things that can be beautiful and maybe music, but a marker of music is time and rhythm. I think for me, it's what defines the expression that's the language if you remove the rhythm it's almost like i don't know um this is deep <laughs> yeah um my pals whom i've played with the last 20 years we speak to each other through rhythm i know what my friends want to do i understand them through rhythm i really can't explain why <laughs> but that's how it is for me when you say you understand them through rhythm does it manifest in ways like you know what rhythms activate them yeah definitely that's so fascinating something else i i saw you speak about and the way i read it i i actually got a little confused by a contradiction not like a contradiction I'm holding you account, accountable for, just more my <laughs> misunderstanding. But you you had said something about, on the one hand, being interested in stories, and on the other hand, that you don't typically begin the composition process with a narrative idea in mind. It starts with the music. Yeah. And I wonder, how how do you get from one state to the other or one... Where do those two things meet? The easiest answer is after a while. It's like I'm interested in a certain area or phenomenon, something else than, than music. And when I pick up my guitar or I sit down by a piano and play, something comes up, maybe a rhythm or just a chord or a sound. After a while, I connect my emotions or, or my other thoughts of, of that certain area. And I connect them to the music after a while. And then it's like, it's easier to continue composing the music with that area or that nature or whatever with that in mind. I've tried to compose just from idea, but nothing comes out. It never works for me. It has to be a place. I need to have fun with an instrument or I need to play and see what comes out. I never know. Do you have to create the environment for it to come? Like, do you have a ritual or a process? No, 
You just sit down. As long as you're playing, you can... Yeah, it can be everywhere. The best thing is just a white room. It's even better if it hasn't windows. I, I don't want to have paintings on the walls, and I just need an instrument. A blank slate. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm, I'm afraid of uh, getting stuck if I would uh, have to go through any ritual or... Depending on it, becoming dependent on it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, exactly. I was curious about when reading the credits on some of your work, especially the work that you put out under your own name, you handle other than some of the, you know, obviously instrumental collaborators you work with or a vocalist, you know, the other musicians, everything is composed, arranged, produced, mixed, all that. That conjures a lot of thoughts for me when I read something like that, that in an artist. And I wonder, do you ever get lost in the work in that? Because you are so self-contained, I guess my question is, are you manifesting a specific vision that you have for the work? Or is there ever a peril in becoming sort of isolated with the work and not being able to get to the completion because you're too close to it? All those roles being in one person, it seems like there could be a danger there or, a you know. A yeah, actually, I agree. Honestly, I would love to work with the recording assistant and a mixing engineer and a mastering engineer. That would be the most fun way of producing music. But when I started making music, I just wanted to get it out. I want everyone to, to hear my songs. And in the beginning, I, I couldn't afford to work with others. I didn't have the money. <laughs> so I had to do it myself. And after a while, I discovered that I really like mixing. It's very fun to record guitar and percussion and piano. I love putting up the mics and trying out different sounds. It's a lot of fun. But I really, I would love having a team. For me, it's super important with the recordings. And I know how hard 
it is to record different sound sources. But it has to do with the money from the beginning. And since I've done it so many times now, I, I've learned <laughs> some stuff. Right. Yeah. And now I think it's funny to produce and mix and master. It was so important to just bring my music to others. And I didn't want to wait and to gather money. I just wanted to do it now. So that's the honest answer to your question. How much of the instrumentation and what we hear on your records, is it all organic instruments or do you use samples and synthesizers and especially in the percussion? I'm very curious about that. The percussion is almost every time real instruments. I think I've used uh, a, a sample on the kick bass drum sometimes, but mostly it's a real instrument. But what I would uh, use sometimes is maybe uh, a software synth. I have two synthesizers. One is uh, Korg, Micro Korg, which has a vocoder. It, it's quite a bad <laughs> vocoder. But when I put it into my Roland Chorus Echo, Space Echo, fully wet, it sounds awesome. And then I have an old Roland GX3P, I think it's called. But sometimes I would love to use a pan flute <laughs> or some other instrument. And then I would just pick anything that sounds good to me. We'll be back with more Spotlight On right after this break. If you're interested in contributing to bonus tracks, the official blog of this podcast, visit SpotlightOnPodcast.com and click Call for Submissions. That's where we post details on what we're currently looking for and how to be considered. And now, back to Spotlight On. So much of your sound has this influence of South American and Central American cultures. Are you able to find musicians who can play those instruments? I would love to say yes, but I haven't met so many people here in Sweden that can play those instruments the way I want them to play it. It's so much of the sound, the, the rhythmic aspect of it. I have a quicka that I play myself. Uh, sometimes I can't play it, but I can produce the sounds that I want to hear but i have some friends that that really can play the music the way i want them to, to play it it's very interesting when artists explore the music of cultures other than their own over an extended period of time because it seems like it starts with the ability to use instruments from those cultures to make the sound and then it goes through a period almost of mimicry until there's a deeper connection or understanding. And when you have a musician who is of that culture, it's almost like there's a cultural memory of maybe not how to play that instrument, 
but how it works in the context of the music, what it, what it should feel like, less about what it should sound like and more about what it should feel like. And then that feel is transmitted in the sound. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's incredible. Yeah, it really is. And it sounds like that's what you're looking for, basically, is that next level of sort of understanding on the instrument. It's great that you can get a melody line from someone or something like that, but you need the you need that next richer step. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's all about telling a story. I want to tell it as good as I could do. in another interview with you the person asked you about your like dream collaborators and you mentioned bill frizzell what's the kinship there what is it that you admire or appreciate in what frizzell does that you would love to to have access to he's the opposite of uh, pat metheny and pat metheny was my main hero for many years i discovered pat metheny when I was 11 years old, my dad bought this CD of him, Still Life Talking. My dad bought that CD on the gas station in our small village. All my friends, they listened to the music that was popular at that time. And that was like Spice Girls and Hanson Brothers and the Backstreet Boys and yeah. And I listened to Still Life Talking. That was the only thing I listened to for like three years. He's so rhythmic and there's a lot of percussion going on there. That was like my home, that music. And when I was maybe 18 years old, I heard Bill Fristel. And it was like the opposite of that. He has perfect time. I, I love Bill Frisell's time. It's a whole other world. I, I listened to the record he made with uh, Dave Holland and Elvin Jones. And then I listened to that record for 10 years. My first initial point of view or my my language is more like it's natural for me to connect musically with others as I would be a musician in Papathini group. But I really, really love 
Bill Frisell's music, his musical world. And I would love to get to meet him some someday or just jam with him. There's an atmospheric to his, I guess maybe it lives somewhere in his tone. It's very hard to identify these things or to talk about these things, but he's definitely one of those players where he's unmistakably himself, but he also does not, for lack of a better way to say it, he doesn't ruin a collaboration by making it just about himself. Like he, he's so versatile. Yeah, really. I love his tone. It's just a guitar into an amp. And sure, he uses pedals and tone shaping pedals, but in the end, it sounds like a Telecaster. But you hear instantly that it's Bill Frisello. Yeah. There's so many great players. <laughs> yeah, there are. It, that's one of the most exciting things is it's never, yeah. it, it, once you're exploring this universe, it's ever expanding. And it's also, yeah, everything is possible. It has no end. We've only played music, I, I don't know how many hundreds of years, or we've only recorded music, but it's such a short time <laughs> and anything is possible. It's also because of the accessibility, not only of the tools to create, but the tools to distribute. It's never really bothered me that there's so much more music or that it's easier for less accomplished music to get out there. Like I, I to me, it's like, bring it all on. I, I can, I'm happy to wade through it. Or so many times I come across something where it might be a 15 track record and there's only one or two good songs that I like, but those one or two good songs are everything that day. And so it's yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally fine. Yeah. Of all the things we need less of, I wouldn't say that creative output. Like I'm happy to just have people creating and uh, bumbling their way through to the next sound. So yeah. true. Something I wanted to ask you about the, the Lamponia series of recordings that you make. Hmm. What's the unifying theme there? Why do you keep returning to it? It's, it I, from what I could gather, it seems like it's very personal in nature, but I, I don't know what I'm picking up on. And I wonder if you could explain it to me. It has to do with my family. My family on my dad's side. It's so hard to describe this even in Swedish for me. Uh. <laughs> but, but. In some ways, it's my family and the nature where they used to live and where I've spent summers where I went fishing when I was a kid. And nature is, it sounds cliche, but it's very important to me. The nature has timing. I love being in the nature and all the sounds that are created by nature. So was, that's why it's important to compose music that's a homage to those places and nature itself. Do you ever use found sound or field recordings in your work? Yeah, I, I did a record some years ago. Uh, it's called Brev från Leksand. And on that record... There are crane birds, 
that a friend of mine recorded. And um, on that record, I sampled some stuff <laughs> as well. I was uh, curious about hip hop in that period. And I watched MTV when I was a kid. The first time I heard Sildre with the Snoop Dogg, I was blown away. I got interested in trying to create my own style of hip hop. And actually, I'm, I'm still on that road. So yes, I use field recordings. Tell me a little bit to, to the extent that you know, what is the folk music of Sweden? And specifically, what are the folk instruments, if any? It's a violin, accordion, and a key harp, and guitar. In the north of Sweden, we used to play like shaman drums. I played violin when I was a kid, and we played only folk music. I love it. But what it is, I don't know. It strikes me as something that would resonate for you because of the connection to the people and to the place. And that seems, while your music is so modern and international, it's also all of the elements of it are rooted in very specific places. The South American influence and how you're fusing it with other musics. It's a very special sound. It's a very special sound. Uh -huh. And I've, I've very much enjoyed by listening to your music over the last several days in preparation for our time together. It's a different world to be immersed in. Wow. Oh, thank you. like you always have many projects going on. You have this circle of collaborators that you work under different project names with, but just in the time since we confirmed we were going to do this until we actually were able to be together, it looks like <laughs> there's multiple projects. Is this how you've always been, or is this as a result of coming out of COVID and being able to create again? Can you just talk about like the prolific nature of your life? <laughs> mm, yeah, I love to work. I really do. I have three children. Before I had kids, I also worked, but not as efficient as I do now. So I feel it's so important for me to continue creating because I enjoy it. 
I feel that it's important. And I have friends that are similar to me and we like to play and create. I haven't spent so much time thinking about why or how. We just work. It's important to, for me to keep trying to create stuff as good as Stevie Wonder had done it. I don't want to settle with just being okay, making okay music. I really want to make great music and I want to sound great and I want to express myself in my own way. So then I just work and work and I have very fun with my friends, with my soon-to-be wife, Anna Onlund, who's the singer in Dina Ögon. We're really enjoying playing together and it's so much fun. Yeah, so we make music all the time. Have any of your children shown any interest or aptitude for music? Yeah, but not when I'm around. (laughs) (laughs) When they don't think I can hear them, they sing out loud and they can swing. (laughs) That's great. They have have great timing, but I don't work during the week after I pick them up from school. And then I spend time with my kids. I don't work all the time. And in the weekends, we do things together. I try to not pick up the guitar because if I do that, I'm stuck in the guitar. Yeah. But we listen a lot to music together. It's really fun. I can see that they, it's natural for them to be in, in the music. Does the listening and sharing go both ways? Like, are you educating them on music or are they exposing you to music? Mostly it's them showing me different music. Mostly it's Eurovision uh, song contest yeah. songs. Yeah. But I'm, I'm happy to listen to that music. If they want to show me something, I feel it's important to, to listen to that, to show them that, yeah, I will listen to what whatever you show to me because then they might <laughs> listen to what what i showed them yeah respect and interest it's also we all know that as music lovers whatever the music is you're initially interested in it's just your way in and ultimately it it's it's what opens the door to this universe of ideas and sounds there is no there's no bad way in no 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 Daniel, thank you for making time to talk with me. I, I very much appreciate it. And I've, I've so much enjoyed your music of all your different projects. And yeah, it's just really special. Thank you. Yeah, I've enjoyed it too. Thank you so much, Daniel Obrin. And as always, thank you for listening to Spotlight On, a production of 23 Media Ventures. I'm your host and executive producer, Lawrence Purrier. We're produced and edited by Michael Donaldson, and our theme music is by Q-Burn's Abstract Message. If you'd like to support our work, please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts, or visit us online at spotlightonpodcast.com. There you'll find our free episode archive, weekly postings on our official blog, and a ton more. Thanks for listening, be safe, 
and stay in touch. 